Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Pure Hoops podcast, Thanksgiving week. We are back. I am back on the East Coast. Hoodies, skullcaps, layers. BJ, LA was fun while it lasted, my friend. How was the weekend? How you living out there? I'm good. No, no hoodies, no skull caps, but we're living. We're we're, we're managing out here. It got it got chilly out there last week at night, though. So now now I know what you're getting at. Oh, now I yeah. know you're what you're lo- getting. You're a, you're you're a local now. Now you're a local. Part time local. It's winter out here, Eric. It's winter. Part time local. <laughs> well, that 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 drop after three thirty p.m. Is, is apparent. You know what's funny is uh, you know we turn the clocks back. And we lose an hour of daylight. And we, uh, in New York, on the East Coast, we always, uh, in the Northeast anyway, we always align that with the temperature drop and the season changing and getting cold. Right. Then when you go out mm-hmm. west and the weather's beautiful, you're shocked and you forget that it gets dark there earlier also. And I just had a moment last week where I was just <laughs> laughing at myself. I'm like, duh, yeah, it gets, it gets darker earlier here too. So. It's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> it, 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 show, it, shows, it shows how delirious I am from work, travel, and, and all the positives going on. But uh, a, a lot happening. It was great to see you last week and dig in. Love our conversations in the same room as always. Um, quite a weekend. And I, I, I don't want to – we're not beating the same horse over and over again. We're not, we're not banging the same drum, but – we have to talk about the Clippers literally on every show. And it's Clippers, it's Rockets. These matchups just continue to get more and more entertaining. Uh, I mean, Clippers-Rockets in the playoffs will be a, a gift, as, as, we, as we've talked about, as would Clippers-Lakers. Uh, the Pat Beverly-Russell Westbrook matchup is something out of uh, the boxing world and storytelling. Uh, they meet again in December nineteenth in Staples. H- how much are you? Uh, how much are you enjoying this matchup and uh, all that comes with it? Well, you you have a a lot of storylines to talk about, right? First, we can talk about style of play. You have an offensive coach in Mike D'Antoni. You have a defensive coach in Doc Rivers. You have a spectacular offensive player. Perhaps maybe the best offensive player in the game today and in, in James Harden versus clearly the best defensive player in the game, Kawhi Leonard. Then you get to Pat Bev and you get to Russell Westbrook and all of the other variables. 
uh, that you have Paul, Paul George. teams feel that they have an opportunity. You have Paul George. You have, but you have two teams who have a mindset that feel that they have the ability to come out of the Western Conference. For sure. And and that can be argued for both sides. So there are a lot going on. Um, there's a lot going on that we can discuss. We have, you know, two really good teams, two teams that we feel that will be there at the end, and then we'll see how it plays out. You know, if you're asking me, I still believe that the Clippers are a cut above the rest of the teams in the Western Conference in the league because of their, their style and, and what they're committed to doing on the defensive end. But there's a lot of basketball to be played, and uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of back and forth as the season goes on. As entertaining as this matchup is, and as much as I enjoy the contrast in styles and personas, and as impressive as Houston has, has been to start the season, and you know, just as a reminder, I think you and I both collectively agreed going into the season, the Westbrook-Harden pairing would work but it would take a little time and massaging. As far as I'm concerned, I feel like they're ahead of schedule. None, nonetheless, very impressive. I don't see the Houston Rockets being able to beat the Clippers at full strength four times in a series. I just don't see it happening. Could we get an entertaining series? Yes. Could we have some classic games, incredible performances, conflicts, drama, everything? Yes. But the healthy Clippers team, I, I think, still has the leg up due to uh, their makeup, their commitment to defense, and of course that Clipper depth, BJ, is, is unbelievable. How, how impressed are you with uh, Lou Will and and Montrez Harrell not missing a beat in terms of their rhythm and their play with the additions of Kawhi and Paul George? Again, I think this gets down to the the – the wonderful job that Doc Rivers has done. Doc Rivers basically has two different units. He has an offensive unit. He has a defensive unit. And he continues to manage the game with his key players on the, on the court at any given moment so that he can manage the game for 48 minutes. As you see and you look at the one thing I think that has really taken all of us by surprise is Kawhi Leonard's ability to pass the ball and manage the game as a point forward yeah, or point no, he's guard point or forward you know he's you. playing point forward every night yeah yeah he he's doing that especially on the offensive end his decision making his ability to play off the dribble to distribute the ball gives them a decided advantage which allows pat beverly to do what pat beverly does which is to harass the other team's guard and be a very disruptive player which he is clearly one of if not the best in the league at doing he's a very disruptive player and then when Kawhi is not handling the ball, I bring in a, a scoring lead guard in Lou Will who controls the game now, which forces the other teams to play his starting players probably longer than he would, uh, would, would want to do because of Lou Williams and, and Montrez's ability to score on the screen and roll. Montrez, you know, the thing that, I always look for players is when they add something new to their game. Montrez is scoring the ball as well as I've seen him since he's been in the league. But the one thing he's doing that I don't think he gets enough credit is when he catches the ball on the roll, on the roll, he's finding the shooters in the corners. And he's doing that very well, which puts 
now even more pressure on your ability to make a decision. If you don't get him in, in time, he will obviously finish at the basket. And if you do, you know, um, make the rotation, he finds a guy in the corner for the three. So he has really improved his game. It allows Doc to manage the game for 48 minutes. It allows Doc to really find matchups, exploit matchups. And once he finds something, he exploits it until you stop it. And um, I just think they're a tough team because they they continue night in and night out to give, with those role players you alluded to earlier, they play with effort and energy. And they give an incredible amount of effort and energy every night, which allows them to play the way they're playing. And I think they're going to be tough to beat. For sure, for sure. And, uh, you know, as much as we love Pat Bev and as much as we uh, – we had a, a great time talking about the Celtics-Clippers game last week. Uh, he needs to show – I don't know if you saw the comments about uh, – he was asked about Marcus Smart and playing against a guy who brings uh, the same type of intensity to the game. And Pat Bev was pretty insulting to Smart, uh, basically laughing at that. <laughs> and, and Marcus simply responded that uh, I'm on another level than Pat Beverly. And – I, I hate to break it to Pat Bev, but and then I'm, I'm putting my, my my Celticism aside as I'm sitting here in my in my very right, green right. T-shirt. But Marcus Smart is a, a different kind of player, meaning he's a better player than Pat Beverly. They both do what they do very well, but there are things that Marcus Smart in what regard? In what what in what regard? What what regard is he a better? I player? I think he's a better and more well-rounded offensive player, and I think he's a more versatile defensive player because of his size. Very simple. Mm-hmm. So, just be nice if he showed the guy some some. Show me some goddamn respect. <laughs> Well, you know, but what? I love I this love the back I and love. forth. I love it. Listen, this is I love it. This is what I this is what I love about the Pat Bev and Marcus Smart. They're competing. Yep. What do you want them to say? What do you want these that's guys fair. to say? I love no. you. You love me. No, that's we're fair. a big happy no, family. Not at all. Is that what you want them to say? I, the fact that they are competitors and they're not giving an inch. That's what makes the game great. When two guys are willing to compete. One thing I will say about both is when this is all, when their careers are over and all said and done, they will have the ultimate respect for one another because there you go. they bring it. Yep. They bring it. This is, I don't expect, it's like if you're in a heavyweight, bite, a heavyweight fight, you're not going to start saying, oh God, Eric is the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. You're, you're, of course. you're not going to. So the fact I'm that just, they I'm are competing. For, I'm just looking for my mm-hmm. man to get some respect. That's all. You know, I get text messages well, well, he's now. He's getting his respect. When the I'm Celtics gonna you, drafted. I'm going to tell you he's getting his respect. Yeah, he got paid. He's recognized that this guy is. No, he recognizes that Marcus Smart is on the floor. Yep. Because if you couldn't play, I wouldn't even sure. notice you. Sure. That's sure. enough. All, all I'm That's saying enough. is. When the Celtics drafted Smart sixth overall, and it's very easy for me to sit here and say, I said this, I said that, but I, I loved the makeup of the guy. And all people looked out all people looked at in his first couple of years in the league is what he couldn't do yet instead of what he could do and who he was as a competitor and a team guy. And now everyone is on the Marcus Smart bandwagon. And it's just funny and it goes back to some of the conversations we've had about Player evolution and player development. Guy comes into the league 19, 20 years old. He is so far from a finished product. And to see Marcus Smart continuing to get better every single year 
and add ingredients to his game and become at least a respectable shooter and a guy that's going to make the three if you back off of him along with an underrated playmaker offensively to go along with now being all NBA first team defense, I think it's great. But we're going to stay in the Western Conference, my friend. And, you know, we've, we've, we've come to an agreement unless you had a, 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 new, uh, a new thought or, or, or a revelation over the weekend. But the West right now right. is a top-five conference. It's L.A., L.A., Houston, Denver, Utah. Golden State, we know what's happened. San Antonio, they snap a, a, a brutal losing streak. You know, Have a losing streak, play the Knicks, feel better. That was San Antonio this weekend. And then, of course, Portland continues to struggle. So there's room now. There's room for some other teams. The Dallas Mavericks, the Phoenix Suns, the Timberwolves, the Kings have at least started to improve after their slow start. And, of course, the Pelicans are waiting for Zion Williamson to return to the lineup as they currently sit at the 10th spot in the West. So my question for you is, who's that team out of that batch that is going to separate themselves and take the next step forward. Who do you think? It's the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic. Luka has officially, after this weekend, he has my full attention. Full, now. undivided. As a star. Pop, he has, so he has popcorn, popcorn beverage, recliner seats, feed her up. That's Luka TV. When I see a player take his show on the road, like Luka did this weekend versus the Houston Rockets. He has my full attention as a player. I think the Dallas Mavericks now are a team that you have to play, pay close attention to. So, so, so One, real quick, because they are so well coached quick, before you get into all your points. Are they, are they making the top five conversation now a top six conversation? Or do they still have to do this for, well, for a longer amount of time? They have a player right now who is in the top-tier discussion in this league. And when you have a top-tier player who makes his way into that stratosphere, you must take that team seriously. Because what makes a great player great is that he's capable of carrying a team in the playoffs. Luka Doncic right now is playing well at home, as most young players do. But now he's doing it on the road. And we know teams are devising defensive schemes against him, and he's still very effective. So now I am ready to say that this kid has moved on to the next phase of his career is now can he do it where it matters most in the playoffs, my friend. This kid, is he's, he's, he's for real. He's serious, especially as an offensive player. And I know that that coach over there, Rick Carlisle, who I happen to know very well, he stresses three things. He defends, he stresses rebounding the basketball, and he stresses that all his team will play the right way, sharing the ball with one another. And with those three things, with those three fundamental, fundamentally sound principles that every good team has, with a talent like Luka Doncic, now, 
you have a problem. I think this kid is a problem. I think the Dallas Mavericks are ahead of schedule. And as the health of Porzingis continues to improve as we go through the season, they may be ahead of schedule. You know, it's early, but they may be ahead of schedule. I think 11-5 and going into Thanksgiving week with Luka playing at this level is definitely ahead of schedule. And it's a lot of fun. And for those of you out there, the younger audience who are not familiar with Coach Carlisle's evolution, um, go to him on Basketball Reference. Listen to his interview that he did with with uh, with our with our very own Mike Wise a couple of months ago. This guy has had an incredible both basketball journey and comes from an incredible basketball pedigree uh, as a player, a young assistant coach, and then his evolution as a head coach has been. Uh, Pretty remarkable. So I, I agree that Dallas has just been beyond impressive. We know Phoenix came out of the gates hot, and they're not going to be the the pushover uh, people thought they could be. Uh, thought they would be. Excuse me. Um, and then you know Minnesota, Sacramento, New Orleans, who we all thought was going to be fun. We will uh, we will wait and see. Um, interesting info here on these teams before we move on. Um, Dallas is two and one against the top five in the West. Phoenix is one and three. They beat the Clippers. Minnesota is one and three. They beat the Jazz. Sacramento is one and three. They beat the Jazz. And New Orleans is two and four, beating the Nuggets and the Clippers in those games. So those are the teams trying to make a name for themselves and how they top uh, match up, excuse me, with the top five in the West. So we'll continue to have a look and monitor uh, who's going to rise in the standings and who's going to fall back. But uh, you know, BJ. I'm sure something that you chuckle at, and it's also something I'm sure you appreciate, is uh, how the schedule makers put these very interesting dates on the calendar in the NBA. And this upcoming Wednesday... Isn't it random, Eric? Isn't it's it so random, random or no? It's, you know, you have these guys scheduled <laughs> to go back to the uh, teams they played for last season and had controversial exits. So Wednesday, there's a doubleheader. The Brooklyn Nets are going to face the Boston Celtics, and the Lakers are going to New Orleans. Isn't it ironic that Kyrie Irving wouldn't want to walk into Boston and receive a loud chorus of boos, something Paul Pierce called, something Paul Pierce calls possibly the loudest chorus of boos ever by a former member of the Celtics. So Kyrie will not play on Wednesday, but Anthony Davis returns to New Orleans on Wednesday night. That will be interesting. But the point of this is to look back at the deal that brought him there. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, the number overall pick, along with draft picks, 2021, 2024, a potential swap in 2023. Um... A lot happened in this deal, BJ. A lot of guys changed settings. A lot of roles were changed. Uh, what's your early view on how this has worked out with both for both teams? Well, when you look at the trade for what it is, I think New Orleans did what they had to do under the circumstances and the hand that they was dealt. I don't think they really had too many other options. I think they maximize the trade value of Mr. Davis. I think they got some really good young players back. Clearly, 
they have some veteran players to add with that. And I think if they had their health, in particular with Zion, I think they, their record would probably be a little further along than what it is. Anthony Davis is a top-tier player in this league. I think in the short term, the Lakers are going to benefit in the short term better than the, the Pelicans. But I think over time, we will look at this and say this was a good trade for all involved. You know, the, the, Anthony Davis, what he did, he put the organization in a very uncompromising position. And they were faced with a huge dilemma that so many organizations are, you know, they're, they're terrified of if what, what happens if your star player wants to leave and you run the risk of losing this player for nothing. So I think this is something that they addressed. I thought they did a fairly good job about it. There was a lot said about it and there was a lot of talking about it, but in the end, I think both teams really benefited from the trade and, and I think both teams got out of the deal what they were looking to get out of it. I think you hit it on the head. It's, it's an immediate impact and obviously win for the Lakers. They've got the best record in the league. They're playing very strong basketball. The LeBron-AD uh, combo has been beyond impressive as we're wrapping up the first month of the season. But for New Orleans and for New Orleans to – be able to even compete on a nightly basis with Zion out. Derek Favors has not given them much. He's been in and out of the lineup. We've seen Brandon Ingram and what he can be. We've seen uh, some really good things from Lonzo Ball, and obviously the, the future assets will come into play as well here. But, you know, for the Pelicans, I think they set themselves up really nicely to be this – you know, this exciting team that's a mix of veterans and young players that is going to continue to rise in the Western Conference. I don't think it's going to be as drastic a rise as people thought this season due to some of the things I just mentioned and also the competition in the conference. But uh, they got some pretty good players. And I think Brandon, Brandon Ingram uh, has the potential to be a, a multi-time all-star as he continues to evolve his game and, and become that, that really consistent really tough guard from the wing who's going to get you, you know, plus 20 a night as he, he gets older and more experienced. Right. We, we know what Lonzo Ball could be as a, a playmaking guard. So it, it's uh, I think it's going to work out for both. Obviously, the Lakers with uh, the, the immediate impact. Yeah. Eric, I got a question for you. I, I like got a question you for questions. you. What do you do with Brandon Ingram? What do I do with him in terms of development, or what do I do with him in terms of trying to flip him for something? Do you do you pay him? Is he is he is he in in your core? What do you do as you build out your team there in New Orleans with Brandon Ingram? I try to make him part of the core. I I try to make him the. No, I, is that a max? What is what does that mean? So if he thinks I mean, he's getting max, um, he's he's crazy. So, you know, it's likely in that Jalen Brown area of money in terms of that range. Jalen, uh, four years, hundred and fifteen million dollars, which I think is a lot for Ingram. But I think you're paying for what Ingram is going to evolve into. I think he becomes your top scorer where Zion is right there with him as a, a double-double 
uh, machine and they make up your very talented and potentially uh, dominant front court of the future. So, you know, I, I think that's a very interesting question. It also depends on what the future for uh, Drew Holiday is there in uh, in New Orleans. How, how long is he there as uh, the team leader, the vet in the backcourt? I think that also uh, has an effect on Ingram. How about you? Well, I think it's, it's very interesting as you build a team. And I, I've, I've always looked at how people build teams. And... You know, it's, I think they're at a very interesting crossroad with a player like him because where do you get a player that can score and do the things that he provides? And I take a look at, you know, guys like Harrison Barnes and other players in this league. In the end, when you start to look around the league, how many players are actually out there with his production at his age? So It'll be interesting to see what, what, what Griffin and, and staff do with him. I like him. I like his offensive ability to score the basketball. Now, where does that fit into what they're trying to do short-term, long-term? Because they're going to have to eventually make some decisions on these players, right? Whether it's Alonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, J.J. Redick, Zion, and make decisions. But I really like his talent. I think you have to figure out how to get him in the fold because of his age. And he's a very productive player, especially as an offensive talent. So um, I just think it'll be interesting. He may not be the player that, you know, you know will, will carry an organization, but he's certainly a player that can get you 20 to 25 every night. And that says something in this league. Um, and I think he can do it I, in I a winning environment. I think he's part of the formula. I mean, looking at their cap space, holidays on the books through 2021, Redick one-year deal. He's off the books this summer. Ingram is a restricted free agent. He's making 7.2 now. Zion on the books, obviously, for four years on his rookie deal. And who was the other one I was looking at here? Lonzo Ball. Lonzo. He's a restricted free agent uh, next summer. So Ingram's a restricted this summer. I think it favors the Pelicans in terms of what the cap is likely to be and how teams are going to be pretty handcuffed financially this upcoming summer after the amount of money and player movement that we saw uh, this previous summer in 2019. So uh, I think as the books show and as New Orleans is trying to uh, build this winner here and hopefully figure out how to keep Holiday part of it, uh, they're going to be able to go to 15 to 20 million a year for for Ingram and make it work. That that's that's my gut from looking at it quickly, but we, we will see. But I, I think there's no question his talent and his unique skill set and size uh, makes him a very valuable commodity, not for just what he is now, but for what he can continue to evolve to be. So. That will be interesting in New Orleans as they figure out who they are as a team as they wait for Zion to return. One of my favorite analogies, BJ, is when um, you like to say we're talking about things off the floor. I want to talk about things on the floor. So this next topic uh, kind of has to do with both. Right. ESPN reported the uh, negotiations going on between the NBA and the Players Association uh, that would have some drastic some potentially drastic schedule changes uh, coming in the 2021 
2022 season. We've got conference finals reseedings. We've got a midseason tournament. We've got a seventh seed through tenth seed uh, playing round robin. We've got a shortening of the schedule. Before we dig into the specifics of these, what was your first reaction when this came out? With the uh, you're referring to what Wolds were reported about the schedule change. Yes. Well, my my first reaction and my immediate reaction is the following. Let's look at the business of the NBA. And most of the decisions, probably all of the decisions since I've been a part of the NBA have all been with what is the effects of, how is that decision going to affect the business of the NBA? And when I heard about it, when it was reported, I think on Saturday, um, this past weekend, I was I just looked at it for the business of sports. Like, okay, how how is this going to impact their business, and what does it mean? So I didn't really have any other opinion about it. I have my own personal views about it, but my immediate reaction was, okay, it's an, another opportunity for them to infuse some type of enthusiasm or in, infuse some type of excitement around the game because. Right now, when you look at the All-Star, when you look at All-Star weekend, when you look at some parts of the regular season, um, it's not drawing the excitement that I'm sure that they would would much rather have. And this is another way to, uh, you know, really kind of light, light a fuse around something that just seems to be going on and on during the course of the regular season. So do you think this is motivated first and foremost by um, – Enacting this excitement, because as we both know, post-Christmas, uh, a lot of people think the NBA just goes into, you know, the the dog days of winter. Do you think this is more about cutting some games off the schedule, or is it just motivated by, by, by everything combined? Because I, I've got some strong opinions on what I like and don't like here, but I, I'm curious to see uh, where you think the starting point was. Well, I think the starting point for the NBA is the following. I, I, I think the NBA, as it is currently set up as of right now, today, I think they are setting themselves up to take an incredible decrease in the next television deal when it comes up. I think that's what the NBA knows. Interesting. Is and in and is that is that and, sorry, and, I have to ask. Is and, that tied to China in any way or is that just the way things have been going here? Stop. It's a, no, that's just the way things have been going. Like the viewing habits of today's fans or today's youth, the demographics in which we've, you know, we're we're trying to reach, they don't look at the games on television, right? They're they're I don't know if they're streaming the games or Yep. Highlights, Watch it in Twitter, YouTube, or how highlight, however it is, I think that is the that's the meat and potatoes of why we're talking about what we're talking about right now on this show. I think the NBA, I think they have set up this conversation with all the other owners, and knowing that in the next negotiation. They're going to take a significant decrease. Why? Because of a variable and a lot, a lot of things, right? One, you know, 
the viewing habits of the fans, load management, and all of the other things that now are in competition, you know, for the eyeballs of an NBA fan. And I think that is what this is really all about. And, and I think they know it. Again, I have no confirmation. I haven't spoken to anyone about it. But when I look at this league and I just take a step back, I go, that's going to be an issue because in the next negotiation for with television or whatever it is they decide to do, it's not going to be as valuable as it was in the previous one. And I think they know it. I think the rest of the league, when I say the rest of the league, I think the teams know it. And I think they're prepared to try to find other venues or other streams of income that can offset the decrease that they're about to take in their next uh, television negotiation. Gotcha. It'll be very interesting to see what that decrease is. Quickly looking at this, I've I've thought for a while there was a uh, an easy way to cut six games off the schedule. I'll get into that in a moment. I do not like the midseason tournament at all. You cannot have players potentially getting hurt trying to win a midseason tournament which will then affect the big postseason in the spring and getting to the NBA Finals. And, yeah, you can say, oh, they can get hurt. You know, uh, uh, the, the Knicks at the Grizzlies on a night in late February, anybody can get hurt in that game, yes. But the added incentive of trying to win a midseason tournament that doesn't play into um, the real postseason and getting to the finals at, at f- first glance and reaction, uh, not about that. I am about cutting this regular season down, and I do like the thought of this seeds 7 through 10 doing some sort of a play into the postseason if they're separated by a certain amount of games. So if the seventh-seeded San Antonio Spurs win 43 games and the 10th-seeded Phoenix Suns are at 39, great. But if there's a win discrepancy of, let's say, five or more, uh, I'm not a fan of that. Have you given that any thought at all? Well, again, instead of looking at the uh, all of the excitement, oh, there's going to be a midseason, there's going to be a postseason, now there are more teams in or out of the playoffs, I just try to look at it for what it is. Okay, so now we have currently set up eight teams – make the playoffs in each each conference, the Eastern Conference and the and the Western Conference. With the changes that's been proposed, now you'll ha- actually have 10 teams in each conference, right? So it gives more incentive and it gives an opportunity for 20 out of the 30 teams now to play in some postseason type of game yeah that's right? too many for me so to me that's not re- it's 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 so to me it's no big deal so actually instead of encouraging competition encouraging teams to win now you're actually allowing more teams to get in and building in as more excitement for the fans and all of those things okay that's it but i want to get down to what this is really all about the problem with the nba is the following. The Eastern time zone makes up about 48% of the market share in the entire in the in, in the entire NBA. I'm going to say that again. 
The Eastern time zone makes up about 48%. So we have so we have, we have four time zones. And one of them, the right. Eastern time zone is making up roughly half. half. Exactly. To me, that's the problem. That's the problem right now. Because when you have a double hitter on TNT or ESPN, the half of the country is not watching the Lakers. I was, I was, talking, I was, I was talking about this when I was out your way last week. You got to get yourself in the, position at four the, o'clock, four thirty to is, watch the the Eastern Time Zone. This games. is the problem. Now, growing up in you know an Eastern Time Zone like I did in Detroit playing for many years in Chicago, now living on the West Coast, that is the issue. So half of the country is not watching the game for whatever the reason may be. Whether it's they're not interested, <laughs> whether they don't think the, the players that are playing currently aren't, aren't good enough or whatever, but we know that half of the country the way the NBA is currently set up, we know that over 48%, over half, is not even tuning in the games. We don't know why. Is because most of the, 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 the elite players are on the West Coast now. As a business person myself, as an agent myself, I can't understand how come these players aren't running to New York City to play hmm. because half of the country isn't watching the game. These are facts. This isn't my opinion. We all talk about social media and, and the impact of sports and all of those things. We know this. These are hardcore facts that New York city alone will make up the entire mountain time zone. Just New In York city viewership. Yeah. No, it's a great point. That's In a great terms point. of viewership. So, when I look at this with my, just my business, just with my business, Madison Square Garden to me is just, that's it. Because you're reaching half of the NBA right then and there. Yeah. We reaching, know this. No, Eric, reaching we half know the this. It's a, no, it's a, it's a very interesting way to, to break it and down. If and if I can reach, and Eric, and, and so when I look at the Jordans, when I look at the Birds, when I look at all of those players that were in the Eastern time zone, even though Jordan played in the Central time zone, right, in the Midwest, but still he was there, he was reaching half of the audience just because half of his games were – more than half of his games were played at a time where the the, the, the viewers were ready to watch Eastern him play. Time zone viewers now were ready. out here yep. on the West Coast. Yep, for yes. sure. Now out here on the West, Eric, it's tough. People got to go to work. People got families. People got things they have to do. And when the game starts at ten thirty on the east on the on the east, it's too late. So, if you're asking me what the real issue is, is are we really giving the players the hardcore facts so that they can understand this business that they're in? It's a business. It doesn't make it right or wrong. I'm not here. To, I'm just here. These are the facts. If I know half of my audience are my paying customers are one place, 
I think it's just good business sense that you go there and, 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 and you give yourself a shot. So to me, that's the, that's the, that's the bottom line here. Because I know at, when that game starts at 7.30 over there at Staples Center, I know half of the NBA is, isn't watching. That's a fact. Yep. Eric, that's a fact. And I, and, and I think the NBA knows it. I think all of the teams know it. But for some reason, it hasn't trickled down to where the players don't right. know it. They don't. They don't realize it. They don't look and, at it that way. It's a very. It's a, they don't. It's a very they, good point and something for us to continue to discuss and and keep an eye on as these changes are um, talked about. I wanted to present quickly the math that. I've had, I don't know, this is not rocket scientist. I probably started this exercise, you know, four or five years ago when just in a discussion thinking about how to, you know, fairly take some games off of the schedule. So, um, you know, you take the take the Lakers. They're in a division with four other teams. Divisional games, as you know, used to mean a little bit more. There was a little more heat around them. There's still some now, obviously, with what's going on in L.A., Boston and Philly, obviously the 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 Houston, Dallas, San Antonio matchups in Texas, but overall the importance and weight of the divisions and division games have clearly lost its luster over the years. So, the Lakers would play their four divisional opponents four times each. Four times four is sixteen. They would play the 10 remaining Western Conference teams three times each. That's 30. You're at 46. And nothing changes with playing the teams in the other conference two times apiece, home and home. That's 30 on top of it. 30, 16, another 30. You're at 76 games. You're cutting six, six games off the schedule. So don't know what your thought is on that if you're listening at home, in the car, wherever, think about it. But, BJ, uh, I'll let you uh, comment on my math, and then we'll close it out for the day. Working in this business, okay, and that's what it is, working in this business, I don't think any of these owners in the league are going to give up, you know, their slice of the pie, if you will, for an 82-game schedule. And that's what it comes down to. And... They have a business that works. It's proven that it's worked, and everyone has benefited. Players, owners, league, fans. So I think that works. Now you're asking teams to give up, you know, four or five games, which will affect their bottom line, right? <laughs> and I don't think it's three. Everyone, everyone gives up three home games. Yeah, I don't think anyone, knowing the revenue that each team gets per home game, that's, that's a significant. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, and I, I'm, just, I, I I'm, just, I'm, just, so, I'm just one man who's very good at basic math. Yeah, and so I don't think anyone's going to give that up. Now, you know, I think we're all trying to address this new – I think it's kind of almost a phenomenon, this load management thing. We're all trying to figure out how to address that. Yeah. And, I'm load I'm load managing uh, today actually. I'm load managing today. What's and what's the solution? So, but I don't think any owner and if, if you and I were owners, Eric, that that's those three games would seem insignificant, 
they're worth millions and millions of dollars in revenue and and things and I don't know. Agree. I don't. I don't. I don't know how you would I take like that the 80, if you were an owner. Of I like the eighty-two game schedule. I don't like load management. I don't like guys just mailing it in in uh, you know mid-January. But those are the realities of the league. Um, I think before you and I get to ownership, I think we need to run a front office together first. So <laughs> that's our goal for twenty twenty: is to identify which front office needs. A complete overhaul, and I think we'd be a <laughs> tremendous combination. I'm, I'm glad you funded funny. I'm almost dead serious right now with a big smirk on my face. But I think we'd do a hell of a job. I would love to see. I would let's love to see you addressing the players who say, "Hey, hey, Eric, I want to load manage." I just want to see that conversation. <laughs> that's that's all I want to see. Listen, you know I connect. You know I relate. You know the you know the rooms I'm in every once in a while. Come I on. would pay. I would pay. I would pay to see that. Okay. One. Well, let's make, let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Terrific job today, my friend. Uh, special thanks as always to producer Mike Lieber, Bruce Bernstein, editor Benjamin Wolfen, the entire Pure Hoops team. We'll be back for a special thanksgiving episode later this week be sure to check out the mike wise show featuring the one and only mike wise catch and shoot 2.0 the relaunch will come post thanksgiving i know you've been waiting out there we'll roll that out after the holiday buckets boards and blocks with the one and only monica mcnutt be sure to check out our new grassroots podcast it won't be weekly it'll be more events and seasonally driven but episode one is available now of the made hoops podcast check that out on all podcast platforms and of course Have a great holiday and stay pure. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.